Welcome to the AFC Don'ts Cast. It's Graham McKay here with podcast number three of our pre-season coverage. Coming up, we catch up with Denham McInnes after the first week of training at Cormac Park and also Adam Stokes, the head of medical and football science, on the testing of our players. Johnny Hayes speaks about his return to Pataudry and Scott Wright comes back from injury. We hear from both. And we also catch up with all the latest news from the club and Scottish football as we're ready for our return in August. And news on the Europa League qualifiers, plus we announce our Aberdeen FC Player of the Year. Plenty to be getting on with then on the AFC Donscast on Tuesday the 30th of June. sign of someone and the love for his club after Johnny Hayes returned to Aberdeen on a two-year deal and agreed to defer his wages for 12 months to secure his return and the Irishman insists he is returning as a better player and is ready to repay the club for the faith they have shown in him. Very warm welcome back to the club. How does it feel to, to be an Aberdeen player again? Yeah, that's, I don't know, that's obviously uh, a bit exciting. Um, the club has made great progress since I've been away. Obviously, look around the, the training ground. Um, so yeah, I think the, the overriding emotion is probably excitement. Um, I think it's, it's a bit strange not knowing when we're going to get started for sure, but it's, uh, it's good that we'll have plenty of time to, to catch up with obviously some more faces and some new ones. So see, there's been a few changes and obviously the, the biggest one is behind you, the training ground. Yeah, I mean, you only had a wee look around, but what have you made of it? It looks brilliant to us. It's, it, was, it was a major attraction and, and wanting to come back, obviously. Um, when the manager phoned said the club were interested, it, it was always my preferred choice. But actually seeing the training ground, um, obviously I hadn't seen it in person. I'd seen pictures, obviously social media, etc. Um, it looked brilliant, and it's not disappointed. Johnny, we've well documented obviously the financial sacrifice. I mean, that's between you and the club. But I mean, you would have had other offers as well. What, you know, why did you want to come back to Aberdeen so much? I think probably a sense of familiarity. Um, when I left, there was wasn't forced. I mean, that was it was just something new. Um, I've always kept an eye on the results. The team, some great friends still here. Um, I think everybody that moves on, even like some Mark Reynolds, Adam Rooney, everyone keeps an eye on the club. It's kind of you build up a bit of a bond, I suppose, when you're here. Um, the family loved it when we were here. Um, there was always plans to, to move back to the north of Scotland. Anyway. Um, so it made sense, and to be honest, we, myself and the club, we were willing to kind of come to any sort of agreement to, to make the deal happen that was suitable for all parties. Um, obviously, it was, it was tough in the, in the current climate with the COVID-19 and whatnot, but it's, it's something that 
think everybody's willing to make it happen and thankfully we did. And Johnny, the deal happened very quickly as well. Were you just keen to get back to get a good pre-season under your belt as well? Yeah, it was, um, the, the boots have been in my car now for a couple of weeks hoping to, to get the call. But obviously there's uh, cautions in the way we need to get some testing done, um, medical etc. Get that all out of the way and hopefully uh, get the boots on as soon as possible. Yeah, but the longest pre-season you've done for a while, isn't it? Because I mean, you wouldn't have done a pre-season for six weeks of that. I mean, most of the ones you've done are very short. Yeah, I think, um, obviously, since being involved in European football, um, pre-season's been quite short and sharp. Obviously, it's been better short and sharp. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I, don't think I'll, I don't think it'll matter too much because with the kind of modern developments in sports science, you know, obviously, got Kirky who have planned pre-season. Even though it's a bit longer, I don't think it'll be as intense. Well, I hope not. Um, but now, speaking, I think uh, clubs... A bit more preparation going into the season, I won't feel as rushed and hopefully uh, enough time to hit the ground running. Johnny, you have a very strong relationship with the manager, it's well known, was it? I mean, how big a factor was he in your return as well? 100%, we've, we've always kept in touch, um, any time the club we've had a good result or if I've had a good result on the road, we've exchanged text messages, whatever, um, every time we've seen each other we chat. Um, it was obviously a major factor and wanting to come back, just as I said, the sense of familiarity, I know what he expects, I think. Um, I've, I've grown as a player over the last few years and I think I've, I'll slot back in in terms of being able to help the manager um, with the level of expectation that he, he wants and demands for the club and obviously the club pushing forward now new boundaries with the, the training round um, yeah, obviously the chairman wants to push the club as far as he can I think everybody's pulling in the right direction Has you spoken Johnny much about your, your role in the team? Because I know you're obviously playing at Celtic playing at left back a bit yeah, um, No to be honest we've not really I think the the whole left back thing is I'd like to think it's just another string to the ball really. Um not really spoke to the manager I, in terms of where he sees me exactly. We've obviously talked through different formations and, and certain tactics in within them formations but he's not he's not told me that he wants me to play here, there or anywhere. Um I don't think I don't think I, I need to be told that. I think I'm, I'm old enough now to know what's expected, whether I play right wing, left wing, whatever it may be. Um, I know what's expected. So, um, as I said, I think myself and the manager have been on the same page for a number of years now. So, I don't think I don't think it'll take too much adaptation. Yeah. Johnny, one of the more experienced players in the squad now. I know you were very good with the young boys before. Is that you know, a responsibility for you as well now? Yeah, it's even though. I suppose, yes, yeah, it's, it's been a bit older now. It's, it's something that you have to take on board. I think um, I've learned from players when I was younger, um, senior players in dressing rooms, how they, they kind of evolve and change over the years and probably become a bit more sensible. Um, but I think you've also got to take that onto the pitch as well a bit more. I think it's it's fine telling young players, giving them advice, what whatnot. Um, but I think the biggest thing is trying to take onto the pitch. And I think... Um, seen over a number of years when I was here with the likes of Barry Robson, Willow Flood, Russell Anderson. Um, I think their leadership qualities, I know they weren't captains or, or what maybe, but I think having that bit of experience helped us. The, the amount of games where Russell speaking or Barry coming on, obviously apart from the Motherwell away game, um, helped us kind of see out a result or whatever. Um, so yeah, I know there's a kind of good nucleus of of senior players here um, with Niall and Andy etc um, and all these players know what's expected from, for, from and for the football club You've got a very good relationship with the fans Johnny I think they always appreciated you know always gave 100% for the cause have you, have you had messages from them yet so far? Yeah <laughs> I for a run this, this morning down Queen's Road and about 20 minutes after I finished I had a text from a friend 
lives abroad um, telling me that I was I was there um, so no, no, it's had plenty of messages and probably more so since since I left Celtic but to be honest um, I always kept in touch Aberdeen fans even at my local golf course I was playing golf a few weeks ago and one of the ladies there is obviously a big Aberdeen fan and asked me about going back um, I think it's something for me personally it's, it was probably always on the cards for one reason whatever um, anytime a transfer window came up Aberdeen seemed to always come up um, so it's it's something that's never been far from the back of my mind Yeah, Just feeling jolly at the minute obviously got to know you quite well the first time around I know you're a winner I know how much you hated losing uh, you've gone to Celtic you've won trophies yeah, I mean, you were desperate to, to add to your medal collection at Aberdeen Yeah um, that's one thing whatever it might be golf, football whatever I don't really like losing um, I think it's a good trade to have um, I think the manager knows that, so if we come back here and um, win some medals, it would be ideal. Um, I think the club deserves it. Um, I think obviously there's been a few near misses with finals. I wouldn't say a semi-final is essentially a near miss, but there's been a few results that have not gone the club's way. And ideally, it would be nice to come back and, uh, and win some trophies. Just finally, have you had a chance to speak to many of New teammates yet, or old teammates? <laughs> well, we keep in touch. There's a few of us. Um, obviously, Andy and I. We've we've never kind of been out of touch. Um, we've got like a WhatsApp group with the the players and the wives. And we've, as Ash has said, we've done some quizzes. Um, just to keep in touch. But yeah, even before obviously the lockdown and whatnot. Anytime family came back up, we'd always make a point and go and see the likes of Andy or Ash or Adam, Mark, Niall when you're here. Um, obviously, still very tight with Niall um, so I speak to him every other day anyway for the last few years so it'll be, be nice to head back up here and spend a bit more time Please tell me Reynolds didn't win the Zoom calls the quizzes did he? For someone that's allegedly so smart he, uh, he's not done so well <laughs> Jory it's great to have you back mate Thank you very much the players returned to Cormac Park earlier this month as they get used to training involving regular testing for COVID-19 and social distancing. Derek McInnes and his coaching staff have been putting the team through their paces, but he's confident he can successfully navigate through the changes in the months ahead. Derek, after almost 100 days away, Aye. how did it feel Come back into training on Monday? Yeah, I think it's, it's always good to get back pre-season, but as you say, with that length of time... Um, you know, obviously we've been in contact with the players and staff, there's been a lot going on, but um, I do think we need to take ourselves back a few weeks ago and um, the thought of actually being here was maybe a wee bit far-fetched, we didn't actually think it was going to uh, move as quickly as it has done and obviously there's a lot more encouragement to for the season to be started as planned, so when you've got something to work towards when you come back to training, it, it, it's, it's important and we've got seven weeks effectively to get ourselves ready, but Great to see everybody again, and I think the players, along with the staff, um, just uh, just enthusiastic about being back, back onto the grass and getting and about the work. And we've got to be mindful of the fact that it's um, it'll almost be five months from the Hibs game at home to the uh, the first game of the season. And we've also got to be mindful that the players have had a longer break than they normally have had or uh, have ever had. Really, so um, we're, what we're trying to do is use this first two weeks really to build them up. Um, to get them really ready to what they would normally come back for a pre-season and then we'll use that last month to really try and get them um, uh, tuned into kind of maybe game related practices and get more contact but we're getting through the work, it's a bit of a challenge clearly but at the minute, you know, um, long days for the staff but 
it's where we want to be and um, you know I think uh, by and large the players have acquitted themselves brilliantly as you'd expect and have come back in good condition. We just need to make sure that we you know them being professional athletes that kind of lack of power and muscle that they've not been able to kind of uh, been used to not been able to do. Um, there's, a, there's a wee bit of a deficit there so we need to be mindful of that and, and not put them too through much work in this first two week period but um, brought me back, I think the fact we've got Cormac Park um, and the challenges that we face currently um, with all the protocols we need to meet, having the, 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 the luxury of having so much space is, um, is a godsend really. First time I've been out here, Derek, but it's a very safe and secure environment, isn't it? There's obviously a lot of planning and thought going yeah. into that. Adam and a lot of the staff deserve a lot of credit for that. Yeah, obviously Adam's been part of the working group with SFA and, um, you know, I've been keeping in touch with Adam throughout. Um, and we had reservations of what it was going to be like, those opening, those first few days. But, you know, I think um, Adam, the whole medical team, the club, um, the support staff here at the training ground, everybody's doing all they can to keep this place safe. Um, the testing that not every club's doing at the minute, because um, it's not compulsory, but certainly here we want to make sure we safeguard uh, the players. And uh, you know, we're confident that in this environment we, we are keeping the players safe and the measures we're taking are the right ones to take, but there's obviously a financial output with that uh, to cover that. And we're grateful to the club have seen the importance of it. Still working towards the 1st of August start, do you yep. feel that is realistic? Yeah, I think so. I think um, obviously we work in tandem with how um, society is dealing with the virus, you know, and obviously we've been getting a bit of encouragement of late. Um, obviously we need that to continue. Um, you know, all the all the noises and everything we're hearing is be ready for the 1st of August and I think it's important that we have a date to work towards. So, you know, you see the English Premiership kicking off last night and... And it just whets the appetite again to, to get involved. Um, I think what we need to be aware of when you watch the games last night is that competitive element. You know, without supporters, it's the games can sometimes come across as a bit false and a bit a bit nice and a bit kind of testimonial, pre-season friendly. You know, I think once we go over that, we've got to make sure that when we do get back, there's that real competitive element um, when there's no supporters in the in the ground and try to replicate. That competitiveness is always a challenge through pre-season, but none more so this season, I think. Um, and hopefully if we can get into um, larger numbers and start to get 11v11 and game-related practices and get more and get contact again with the players, all that helps with that competitiveness to be ready for the 1st of August. Yeah, and you'll need some pre-season games there before the season starts. Yeah, and we don't know how that looks like yet, um, because obviously there's a... As a working group to get uh, return to play at the minute, and we're looking to see how that looks. Um, you know, we're uh, you know, travelling together and coaches, tra- sitting in the same dressing room, all the rest of it. All these things have got to be looked at, but certainly pre-season friendlies uh, is, a, is a very important part of um, any campaign, but even more important, as I say, with the time that we've had off. Um, so we'll try and replicate um, 11v11s through our training. Um, and we'll try and uh, hopefully look to try and get some games with teams who are in a similar position to ourselves, who have done all the testing, who are up and running and are keen to get some match practice. We had some clarification from UEFA yesterday yeah. regarding what's going to happen. What's your thoughts on the single leg games? Yeah, I think it was something that was um, muted a few weeks ago and you know it kind of makes sense, the fact that you know we're behind... Um, the scheduling and um, we have to kind of 
uh, work our way through these early rounds um, quickly and obviously we, we'll just do what we're told with that and if it's a one-off game, treat it like a cup game anyway, um, as you would do domestically. So it's, uh, we'll look forward to it when it comes round. Obviously there's a lot to be um, clarified on that but you know whether we can get, if we're drawn as the away team, some support from UEFA to meet the financial cost of that. But um, but no, we'll see how it comes out. It's good that we've got that date again as well, something to work towards at that European competition the 27th August. Back to the players, I believe it's Matty and Curtis injuries, is that right? Yeah, well Matty um, had um, a little procedure on his ankles, it was just a tidy up, but because of the, the way the world, uh, the hospitals and getting scans and getting... Um, um, Saint Abe specialist was was becoming it was very difficult, so he's a wee bit behind where we want him to be. But he'll be up and running with us full training. He's doing work with the physios just now. Um, he'll be up and running uh, the second week in July, so plenty of time for the for pre-season. So uh, for the season starting, and Curtis um, doing the work that we had put to uh, to him and the rest of the players, he had felt a little bit of irritation in, in his knee. And he's just had a little floating body there that needed cleaned out. Um, but again, ideally we'd like to have done, got that done weeks ago, but the way that all the hospitals were, we, we've had to bide our time with that. And the quickest you could get your surgery was yesterday. So he will be out for two to three weeks with that. And again, aim to be back in full training the second week in July. Mm-hmm. Looking back, Derek, I mean, this apart from your first full season, 2013-14, uh, <laughs> You've not been able to do a, what we call maybe a more traditional, yeah. sort of longer pre-season. So yeah. I mean, hopefully that will have some benefits this year. Yeah, I think the, there's there's some obvious benefits, you know, because obviously we speak about how how rushed everything has when we come back uh, ordinarily for European competition. I remember that first pre-season down to Warwick University, and we really can I say a standard of fitness really and put the boys through um, what you see a traditional pre-season. Um, I think we've developed here a culture um, at the club, you know, as guys who have been well ingrained in, in what's expected of them. And we've got a, a, a level of player who, who are very professional and uh, good athletes as well as good players. Um, so we we do have the time. Uh, I think the sports science uh, de- department, Graham in particular, are really keen to try and utilise that time. And rather than it being rushed, we can actually get because pre-season is, is there to build fitness for the full campaign and the, and the pre-seasons we've had recently it's more about just getting them fired up again so this actually gives us maybe a chance to put some good base work into them there's some challenging days ahead for the players um, but we do have the time to, to, to uh, on our side to, to make that uh, happen really Just finally, I'm sure, obviously we're delighted to see the players back you are I'm sure the fans are as well because they can now see a, you know yeah. an end goal and they really appreciate the, the support they've given us over the, the last hundred of days as well. Yeah, it's not been easy for every, for everyone. You know, I think the club have um, you know I know followed a lot of staff, but the staff who haven't been followed have been working every hour. You know, really, and um, you know I think working in tandem with the support and, and the wider community, we've obviously done a lot of good work. Uh, I think now that we've, we can see um, the season. Um, kind of in the horizon now and we've got something to work towards it starts to whet the appetite and we know everybody's circumstances are different there's challenging um, issues to get through both financially and, and maybe um, medically and all the rest of it but I do think that you know, the Aberdeen supporters have, have really stood for, uh, kept, came forward and really um, you know, buying season tickets showing they're there behind the team it gives us all huge encouragement um, I think the players have been very professional throughout 
and working towards this and the support are, are the same. So we're looking forward to that first day back, uh, first game. Uh, and we're even looking more forward to the fact that we can get back to Petodre with our support behind us and and uh, wanting to try and you know, reignite the fire this season. We want to make sure we've got plenty of speed and pace about the team. We want to have a team at home who the supporters want to come and, and watch. We said that when we first came in. Last season was a challenge and it wasn't the most enjoyable season. Um, but we need to get back to being a strong home team and hopefully, as I say, we can... Uh, once we do get that crowd back into Petodre, we can see the evidence of that. Derek, I'll let you back to training. Cheers. A critical, a critical element of a safe return to training hinges on the testing of players and the club is working with local company TAC Healthcare. Head of Medical and Football Science, Adam Stokes, explains more. Adam, since the last time we spoke to you, yeah. Red TV, you've uh, fairly busy, is that, is that fair to say? It's uh, probably an understatement, yep. Um, Busy, but it's been, it's been interesting as well. So it's just obviously with all these, um, you know, different times. It's you know different measures are needed as well. So it's been good to be a part of um, the kind of process and getting back to um, seeing the boys back and trying to get some form of normality um, back into kind of just you know, normal training and, and working towards something is obviously important. So. Um, to have that back is good, and you know it's been a process to try and get there, but it's it's been it's been good to get there along the way. To get to this stage, I know you've been working at a national level. Is that right? It tells you about that. Just working with other guys at yeah, that level. So part of the kind of um, SFA medical subgroup. So they put together a few groups. I know Stephen Gunn's been on a couple, and uh, there was a medical specific one um, which I was uh, played a part in. So that was looking, my specific role in that was part of a small group to look at getting back to training um, and how that should look, how that can practically work, what measures need to be in place. So it was it was good to be part of that. I, I quite enjoyed it, um, but it also gives you, that's more at a, you know, at a national level and looking at right, what's the consensus for Scottish clubs to get back. Um, and then on the back of that, you've also got to think about what's, what do we need to get back to Aberdeen and Cormac Park. We've got our own. Every club's got different circumstances, different facilities to think about. Um, and so focus quickly turns to here and now and, and how it's going to look for us with what we've got in place. So uh, plenty to kind of put down on paper and get a plan and uh, put it into action. But it's been, it's been good to be a part of it. We'll talk more about this in a minute, but, but yeah. obviously a big part of it, Adam, has been the testing. Yes. Is that right? So explain a wee bit about that the, the, and the deal, the, the arrangement we've got with the Aberdeen Clinic. Is that right? Yes, yeah, so we've been uh, lucky enough to uh, get a partnership with the Aberdeen Clinic, uh, who are a very local um, company that we've we've used before for a couple. They offer a range of things, but what they're doing currently um, is they're servicing the majority of the oil, the oil industry um, locally as well. So. Um, we've been speaking with them um, and have managed to bring them in to, to service us for the testing. Um, there was a number of options. Obviously, testing is so important to be considering return to play, return to training, um, that little bit quicker just to make sure that we're in a safe environment and doing all we can to ensure the, the health and safety of everyone that's on site. Um, there are a couple of options. You can, you know, it's been well. Uh, Publicised about you know clubs bringing in their own uh, testing kits. There's a there's a, way, a couple of ways of looking at it. Is what we're really happy about having the Aberdeen Clinic do it is that it's fully professionals that are doing it. They're doing you know roughly four thousand tests a week um, within the area. 
So we get used to their staff in that point of view of doing the testing. If we were to get our own units, it would involve myself and, and others, uh, members of the staff here, to be involved in the swabbing process, the, the, the analytics process, which is really timely. Um, it would take away from you know, me being a physio um, and working with the boys um, and many others, let alone you know, getting the actual swab is really important. And if you're not used to doing that, are you getting the right swab? Whereas we're getting the use of trained nurses who do this all the time. You know, that takes that stress out of it. We can a greater rely, you know, greater um, accuracy. I think in the results, more peace of mind, and it allows our staff to focus on on, on uh, getting back to training. So really pleased with um, how it's all worked out. We're very grateful to them. And how quickly are you getting the results back? So, for example, you, the players are getting tested today. How, how, when would you get the results yeah, back? So we've got the test at the minute and uh, the boys are coming in at their appropriate times, being swabbed, um, as are all the staff. And today we've got a 20-minute turnaround. You know, So it's, um, it's, it's not far off instant um, and knowing. It means we can crack on with training uh, when we get the results. Uh, a couple of different ways of doing it. Like the first day back, we batch test everyone before... The day before training, there was no training. They go up to a local lab, and that can get turned around in a couple hours. So, it's just you know, it, it's it's really efficient, uh, which is you know hugely important in this world where we want things done yesterday. So it's um, it, it's a it's a big help for for that that things are speedy and accurate. And just finally, on the testing thing, I mean, they're getting tested twice a week at the moment. Is that yeah, right? So current um, kind of best practice is to do things twice a week. Um, and that just gives us that kind of peace of mind, um, you know, coming into training. As you can see, you know, Evans uh, still having to remain socially distanced. We're still very much governed by um, government um, guidelines and, and advice. That doesn't change. Um, all we're doing is trying to uh, amplify the kind of, you know, the security around it by having a, you know, two positive tests a week um, increases your, you know, um, the, the accuracy of, of maintaining that through the time and the build up to games. Um, and we still follow the, the same guidance. You know, there's nothing. It doesn't change much in the way of, you know, should positive tests arise, Evans still goes through the proper government guidelines, NHS. Um, so it's just trying to give us that bit of extra security, knowing that we're doing things as safe as we can. Just talk to a wee bit about the, the, what we're seeing behind this. So, yeah. first of all, and the players will be split into wee groups. Is that right? Yeah. So they come in. So yeah, we've got them staggered at groups of eight because there's only so many we have on a pitch at a time. Um, again, everything being adhered to social distancing, you know, there's the coaches have been designing everything so that you know there's no real chance of you know freak um, clashes. Everything's been planned really meticulously to think about every process, but when they're doing the warm-ups, um, like what we're doing just now, and trying to mimic some gym work that we can't use the gym. So what can we do outside? For them to then go into their grass work, um, and it, you know, while always having that kind of idea, keeping it safe, um, which in, you know, we're now I think this is our fourth day back at training, and it's um, I envisage a few headaches, but it's it's actually been re- really quite smooth, and really pleased at the kind of planning, seeing that in practice and it actually working, you know, so um, that's really encouraging so far for going going forward. And the players adapted quite quickly because, and also a lot of them have said to me, at this stage of pre-season where they're doing a lot of running, it's not actually that different because they're doing a lot of stuff on their own anyway, isn't it? Yeah, and, and what we're actually finding is, you know, it's, it's almost a chance to be a bit more one-on-one with the boys. You know, it's um, normally you're in that big group and it's hard to kind of keep an eye on everyone at the time. It's actually thrown up a few things that have been beneficial from a coaching point of view um, and just keeping an eye on the boys. So 
it's um, it's it's thrown its challenge, but it's actually you know there's some benefits from it as well in a, in a, in a strange roundabout way. But just finally, what was the hardest thing in the planning? Because it's just there's so much different things, scenarios you've got to think of, isn't it? I mean, even the down to the balls, isn't it? I mean, well, first of all, you've got to predict what footballers are going to do at any given moment, <laughs> which is hard enough. So um, there's that. But no, it's it's just trying to plan for every eventuality of what you can foresee going on. And it's, you're right, it's every bit of equipment you see is getting cleansed as soon as that group's finished. Everything gets wiped down. Next group comes in. It's just been. It's having everyone on the same page, I think, is really important. Everyone knows what is at stake. You know, this, you know, from a kind of footballing point of view, if you have someone with, with no symptoms but a positive test, that can it's going to rule. You know, a bit of time loss there, like that we have to adhere to. So, I think knowing the severity of what happens if we don't do it right, um, I think everyone kind of buys into that quite well, and everyone knows. You know, look, we have to do this right to ensure our best chance of on-pitch success. That sprinkler's getting a bit close. <laughs> I don't bless you, all your hard work. Thank you. Cheers. And testing will become even more important after the Scottish Government approved plans to resume full contact training as of yesterday. Ministers were considering proposals from the football authorities ahead of the top flight's planned return on the 1st of August. Training has been restricted to small groups with social distancing in place since the 11th of June. More Don's News straight after this. Tuning in to the AFC Don's Cast each week. Couldn't be easier. We're on all the popular platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn and Stitcher. And on the web at our website, afcdonscast.co.uk. Catch us on the big screen via Apple TV and on the road via Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Got a smart speaker? Just say, play AFC Donscast. One podcast. Listen everywhere. Every Tuesday evening from 8. Okay, a wee bit more news then, and clubs have been given the chance to opt out of next season's league cap. Those in the Premiership and Championship have said they will participate, while League One and two clubs have been asked if they wish to do so. The group stage, normally played in July, is set to return during the international break in early October. Scottish Premiership clubs could face playing four games in eight days next season, the SPFL has warned. The league body will also speak to Sky Sports about not scheduling matches on Sundays before Scotland's Euro 2020 playoffs to ease the burden. The January winter break has been scrapped to accommodate postponed European and international fixtures. The league says there are only 34 available fixture dates to complete the 33 pre-split round of games, leaving little room for Scottish cap replays or weather-enforced postponements. Last season's Scottish cap is still to be completed on top of other domestic, international and European fixtures. Scotland face eight games in three months from September as they play their postponed Euro 2020 playoff with Israel and Nations League matches. Aberdeen are expected to return to European action in August after UEFA announced details of when the competition will be played next season. Aberdeen alongside Motherwell are expected to start in the first qualifying round on the 27th of August. The qualifying rounds will be played in single legs. The draw will determine which club will play the single leg in their stadium. National associations have until the 3rd of August to enter teams to the competitions. The SFA will likely give Rangers the placing into qualifying round two, with Aberdeen and Motherwell entering qualifying round one. 
The stark reality of COVID-19 pandemic and the impact on Aberdeen Football Club has been realised after the club announced that it has begun talks with players, management and staff about temporary wage cuts. With the prospect of no crowds at Pataudry for 10 months, it has forced the move to safeguard jobs, protect lower paid employees and support the club's community projects. It's understood that players and staff have agreed a 20% wage cut. It comes after Dave Cormack confirmed that the club have offset half of the predicted £10 million coronavirus hit. Online, on your mobile and across the UK. This is the AFC Donscast. NHS Scotland has created Test and Protect, a new way to tackle coronavirus. The big change is that if you have symptoms, a new persistent cough, high temperature or loss or change in taste or smell, you should go online and request a test via nhsinform.scot. Or if you can't get online, call 0800 028 2816. If symptoms worsen or last for more than seven days, call 111. If you've had a positive test, NHS Scotland will confidentially trace who you've had contact with. This is so we can let those people know they may be at risk, request they don't leave their home, and offer them a test if appropriate. Anyone could be asked to stay at home and not go out at all to keep your community and loved ones safe. As we start to go out more, Let's all keep doing our bit to beat coronavirus. The UEFA wants leagues to close this summer's transfer window no later than October the 5th. In Scotland, the transfer window currently closes on September the 1st. European football's governing body has called on all leagues to switch to a harmonised end date at the start of October, as football clubs deal with the impact of the coronavirus pandemic. The deadline for players to be registered for Europe competition has been set one day later on October the 6th. Aberdeen have donated their £50,000 SPFL COVID-19 crisis grant to the AFC Community Trust. The SPFL Trust has revealed that all 42 member clubs have been successful in applying for a share of the cash put out by Edinburgh investor James Anderson. The Dons have been joined by Kilmarnock and Celtic in handing their share to their associated charities. The Scottish Premiership is still on course to begin on the 1st of August, but reports that fans might be allowed in stadia from the 23rd of July are inaccurate, according to Scotland's clinical director, Jason Leach. Speaking on Off the Ball on Saturday, the professor said that more information will be made available on the 9th of July. Hearts and Partick Thistle have described a letter received by clubs from the SPFL relating to the pair's court action as wrong and misleading. The clubs are challenging their demotions as well as the promotions of Dundee United, Wraith Rovers and Cove Rangers. The hearing will take place via video conference from tomorrow at 11am. Hearts and Thistle are challenging their respective relegations from the Premiership and Championship after clubs voted to curtail the season. United, Wraith and Cove were declared winners of the Championship, League One and Two, and the petition asked for a judge to scrap promotion and relegation for the 2019-20 season. The action came after SPFL clubs failed to support the league's proposal for reconstruction, which would have kept Hearts, Thistle and League One's bottom side, Stranraer Ab. Aberdeen Football Club last week unveiled its new playing philosophy and refreshed football strategy ahead of the new campaign starting in August. Stephen Gunn, Director of Football Operations, explains plans to deliver future success and the part supporters can play. Okay, Stephen, so the document the club is launching this week sets out our updated football philosophy and strategy. Can you just tell me a little bit about it? 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it won't be a surprise to anyone that um, there's a there's a strategic plan that sits in behind, you know, everything that some that a fan would see, um, either playing out in the pitch or or any other sort of football uh, decisions uh, that we take. Um, it's constantly uh, under review, and I suppose um, we just wanted to take stock um, to see what direction we were we were taking uh, in, in recent times. Um, and where we could potentially um, improve th uh, things. So um, we set about um, doing an internal uh, consultation that involved um, all of the, the coaching staff um, and all the support uh, functions that feed into that. Obviously that was um, um, headed up by, uh, by Derek as well and he had um, a huge influence on uh, the final outcome of that. So um, yeah, a review that took probably a few months and um, with a view to, you know, which direction we wanted to take the football operation um, in, the f in the future. So that's everything that we see uh, on the pitch and, and the support mechanisms um, around about that off the pitch. So kind of clearly football's going through a number of challenges at the moment, as is wider society. Will this refresh strategy uh, prepare us for an ever-changing football landscape? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, um, I'd like to think that we would have been uh, well placed to deal with um, the challenges that we've that we're faced with uh, just now. Um, I suppose we're in a relatively uh, strong position in that most of our squads already contracted uh, for next season. Um, we have uh, looked at how we're going to recruit players in the future. We've looked at uh, how we're going to um, create the pathway to get our homegrown talent into the into the first team as well. And I think when you look ahead uh, two and three years, that's going to be a critical uh, um, strategy for us and uh, moving some of those players uh, forward into the into the first team. So um, I think uh, all of these things are going to have a significant um, bearing influence on how successful uh, we can be um, in the future. And while I think uh, what's going on slows us down, a little bit. It certainly doesn't uh, change the direction of travel um, for us in terms of, um, you know, opening up other recruitment markets, um, expanding uh, our coaching offering, um, de further developing that high performance environment, whether it's sports science, medical and um, performance analysis. So uh, while we might have been slowed down for a few months, while we see ourselves through this challenging time, um, I, I think that that strategic plan is going to be quite significant in uh, how we deliver success on the pitch uh, going forward. And since it was launched a few years ago, how do you feel the Aberdeen investment has benefited the football operation? Well, I think, um, like I suppose a number of the other income streams uh, in the club, what we've been able to do is, over that same period of time, we've been able to invest into the football operation um, so if you if you take the the operation maybe three years ago before um, DNA was was in existence, um, I think we've expanded our uh, our full time coach offering. We have expanded um, our sports science, medical, and performance analysis teams. So the the number of full time staff that we've got um, operating in those areas um, has significantly increased. We've also been able to tool those people up with the, it might be um, some of the equipment that we're using, some of the online cloud systems we're using and the recruitment side, GPS tracking, 
um, on the, the work of the players. Um, so all of these things, I think, would have been um, much more difficult to, to uh, branch out into these areas, make those investments without that um, Aberdeen uh, support in the background. And you've kind of touched on it there. So it's not only the first team that the first team, sorry, that Aber DNA um, assists. There's also kind of improvements going on in the infrastructure behind the first team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all the way from the academy uh, up to the right to the top of the, the tree with the first team players. Um, so if I, if, if I give you an example, and one thing we have done in, in the academy is opened up uh, five uh, development centres. And we've expanded their scope as well. So that's um, effectively feeder groups that feed into the under 10 squad. So we're talking seven, eight, nine year olds. Um, and that's headed up by Liam McGarry um, in a new uh, role that didn't exist, uh, um, you know, going back a year. Um, that's proven already to be significantly uh, fruitful. It's developed our relationships with uh, boys clubs throughout the region. And it's allowed us to create that pathway from boys club football uh, into our under 10 squad. And everything, um, the, the, all the data that, we, that we've been able to accumulate over a number of years of um, youth development tells us that the players that eventually uh, come through into the first team squad have came in at that sort of age group. Um, so it's important we give them that, uh, that technical uh, grounding to give them the best opportunity to become uh, first team players. So that's an example how... Um, DNA has benefited uh, the academy and, and how it will benefit um, our uh, strategy to get homegrown players into the first team in the future. One thing that kind of just stands out there when you're talking about the academy and the increased investment going into like the sports science, obviously being the move into Cormac Park, just how much is moving into there with the modern facilities really just helped with the whole football side of things from developing the, the younger players, as you mentioned there, right through to the, the first team as well? Well, even from day one, it made a, a significant difference. Um, with all the practical challenges we faced uh, before we had um, the benefit of Cormac Park with wasting time ferrying across the city in minibuses, um, training sessions cut short because we're on shared facilities. Um, I think what we've been able to do is we've been able to get the training time that we need, um, increase the, the contact time with uh, young players and senior players, We've been able to um, be more efficient in the work that we do uh, in the gym and have larger groups training for longer uh, periods of time. Um, and obviously one of the things we're committing to do is try and make our players uh, faster and stronger uh, than they've been uh, in the past. And that is um, a significant uh, strand of our, um, our strategy, particularly in youth development. Um, we undertook a visit to Southampton a couple of years ago and um, even our 10, 11, 12-year-olds, technically they could compete with, it, with the, the kids there, but physically there was a difference. So it was one thing we identified um, a couple of years ago that we wanted to work um, hard at. So Cormac Parks opened up that possibility to not only the first team and the development squad, but also um, every academy squad as well. And one thing that's mentioned in the in the document, and I know that you've had a role to play in is the style of play that you've kind of touched on as well intensity pace and homegrown is that something that determines from first team recruitment um right down to the player development program yeah i mean what um what any club would uh, try to do is make sure that um everything they're doing in the uh, in developing young players 
marries into what you want to see um, on the pitch in the first team. And what we tried to do was we've we've taken a lot of learning from the last six, seven years. Um, you know, when we've been able to put uh, successful uh, teams on the pitch. Um, and Derek has to take a huge amount of credit for being able uh, to, del- to deliver that. What we want to see is um, we want to see players that are that are going to come through that system that know the style that's going to be successful uh, in an Aberdeen team. Um, and, uh, you know, you've touched on a few of the things there. We want to play an exciting brand of football. Um, sometimes it doesn't happen game to game for a number of different reasons. But if we set out a plan for ourselves to, to achieve and we can get the building blocks um, in there, that's going to affect, I suppose, all our decision-making in terms of uh, the markets we're looking for recruitment, the, the, the types of players we're looking to recruit. Um, and the, that goes for the academy as well. Um, so uh, what, in terms of defining um, each of the, each of the, the players within uh, that system, we're looking for um, both a technical excellence and uh, you know, a, a physical capacity as well to compete at the top level. Um, so we're trying to marry up all these things and make sure we've got a cohesive system to get these young players through into Derek's squad. You talk about um, player development coming through from the youth academy through to the first team. So it's kind of another thing that's stated in the in the document is that Aberdeen's had a homegrown player start in every competitive match since August 30th, 1947. Um, it's obviously just a fundamental part of the club's plans in terms of building for the future. Well, absolutely. Um, and uh, what we want to see going forward is not just, you know, one um, homegrown talent featured in, in a starting eleven. Uh, we want to be able to to increase that. I think over the last three or four years, we've had an average of about four um, starting games. Uh, that tailed off slightly last year. I think the average was three per game. Um, and we, we want to try and uh, pick that up um, to, to achieve uh, the four uh, again. Um, that won't be any mean feat. Um, we still have to get the players to a level where uh, they're able to not just get into that squad or uh, make the odd appearance, but to cement their um, their position in the team. And obviously, um, part of the strategy beyond that is uh, when we look at the, the sort of player life cycle uh, at Aberdeen is we want to build a value in the squad. So we're going to be able to build a value by giving uh, young players the opportunity a platform for them to perform and if they if we can help them achieve what they also want to achieve then hopefully further down the line we can um, we can attract uh, um, you know uh, clubs coming and uh, bidding for our players and that then helps us reinvest back into football operation and continue the cycle excellent Stephen thank you very much for your time no problem thank you Aberdeen Football Club marked 100 days since the launch of the still-standing free campaign on Sunday. In the last 100 days, the club and the Trust have made over 1,500 food deliveries, which have supported 7,500 families, including 4,200 children who may not otherwise have had a nourishing daily meal. The calls team... A comprised club and trust staff and volunteers has made a staggering 17,000 phone calls to check in on almost 13,000 fans, making sure they are coping with lockdown. 
Those who have been identified as being vulnerable or struggling have had their spirits lifted by calls from players, former players, the manager and even the chairman. Club and trust staff and volunteers have clocked at more than 5,000 miles, making over 120 deliveries every weekday for over 14 weeks. The campaign has attracted huge support from the Red Army, with almost 1,000 fans donating from across the world and in-kind support being offered from individuals and companies. This has included donations of items from PPE and hand sanitizers to teddy bears. Unbelievable. I mean, what we've done in 100 days is just astonishing. So, so far, 1,500 deliveries. 7,500 people have been helped, and of those, 4,200 are children. So, it's just testimony to a real team effort. So, the chairman set us the challenge of 12,000 calls to be made to our fans, and that was back in March. And yes, there were a few sort of deep breaths, gulps, but we've smashed it. We've, we've reached out to more than 12,000 people so far, and it has brought a little bit of joy. I think, particularly at the beginning, people were frightened, they didn't know how desperate the situation might get for them. So we actually, at that moment, were able to do some practical things to help people who maybe didn't have food or help in that way. Um, But since then, it's actually been spreading a bit of joy as well. So the players have got involved, the manager, Dave himself, and you know, I think it's been a joy for people to speak to their heroes. Yeah, well, I mean, I started back in March saying that with the best fans, and my God, they've just proved it to everybody. Just giving page, we're now nearing about £190,000. So we've set ourselves a target of getting to £200,000. But it's the little things. People phoning up and saying, could they donate PPE? Could they donate hand sanitizers? But we've had teddy bears, we've had Easter eggs. Just those little touches that makes it really, really fun for the children to do this. So next steps is it hasn't gone away, it's still here. So we need to keep pushing on. And some of the things we're looking to are to to widen the reach. So we now have four other clubs that are going to join us in this mission. So Inverurie Locos, Cove Rangers, West Dyke and AFC Women's Team are all getting involved. So we will spread the reach. Um, The need is still there. We don't know when that will end. So we're just going to keep pushing on until that moment. Making a return to training this month is Scott Wright, who is keen to prove himself after missing most of last season, suffering cruciate ligament damage during training last September. The 22-year-old is keen to make up for lost time and is ready to break into the team and establish himself as a regular first-team player. Well, Scott, it's great to see you, mate. How, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Yes, no, no, we're, we're, we're getting there, we're getting there. Um, you've been back now pre-season for a few days. How's it been? Yeah, it's obviously been quite strange. Um, you know, the whole time I've been here, it's been quite a short, close season. You know, we've only had maybe two, three weeks, four weeks tops, um, and then you're back in, and you know, you've had a short pre-season, um, and then you've kind of got the European games. So it's quite a quick turnaround. Whereas, you know, the situation we've been in, it's it's been a really long layoff. Um, boys have obviously tried. To, to keep themselves taking over and, and keeping fit, but you know it's it's really good to be back and you know for the likes of Graham Kirk and that now they can plan a proper a proper preseason if you should say you know a good six week block and um, I'm sure all the boys will be ready. Have they eased you back in slowly, Scott, or not? Or has it been quite hard work? Kirky says he he's planning on doing that, but I mean I think no matter how much running and and stuff you do, kind of out with. 
uh, your proper training. You'll always feel, you know, a sweat on when you're, you're back. Um, but, you know, it, it's good to be back um, just at the training ground amongst the boys and it's good to get a, a bit of hard work in as well. well. We'll come on to the serious stuff in a minute, Scott, but I've got to ask you, as a qualified hairdresser, well, almost qualified, <laughs> there's been some, in, just looking at the photos yesterday, there was some interesting hairstyles. So I, I can imagine it'd been a bit of banter, has there? Yeah, to be fair, obviously we're in, in three groups of eight, so mm-hmm. you only kind of get to see, see your group, really. Uh, yeah. I mean, like today, you see a certain group kind of walk past while you're in the middle of a session, so it's not as if you can stop and say hello. Uh, but yeah, there's certainly been a couple of interesting ones and some funny photos that have been going in the chat anyway. <laughs> to tell us a wee bit about the, the whole procedure, because obviously the testing, you, you did that on Sunday, is that right? You were all tested Sunday uh, with this new machine and you, you, you get tested as twice a week, is that right? Yeah, that's the plan um, for just now, for going forward. Um, we obviously gonna kind of set a date of going back on Monday there, but I think it, you know, the, you take the test and it takes roughly about an hour um, for your results. Okay. So we went in on the Sunday. Everybody got kind of a, a set time. Went in, got the test done, left the training ground straight away. Got the, you know, the text, the email that night just to say you're free. You know, what I mean, you're you're fine, um, and then. Later that night as well, we just got sent a group of training groups and training times. And then it's just to take a, a back into it. And I think, you know, the, the plan is for us to, to get tested twice a week, as you say, just going forward. Yeah. Well, what's what's it like training? I mean, it must be a bit weird turning up, having to get changed in your car. I mean, the last time you did that was probably primary school football, was it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. It's... As you say, it's a big change, but it's it's the change we're, we're needing to do just now, just to make sure we're back training and amongst the boys. Well, as I said before, a certain certain amount of boys. Um, but as I say, it's it's the change that we're, we're needing to do just now. We all know the situation we're in, and kind of everybody's in it. So we just kind of need to get on with it. And as I've said before, the club have have done everything right so far, um, and they've given us the platform just to, to kind of luckily to go out and train. Yeah. No, as you say, Scott, the, the club, there's an awful lot of work going into it, isn't it? To make sure that everything's, you know, absolutely as safe and secure as possible. But I mean, must give Adam Stokes a mention. Poor Adam, I mean, he's probably the hardest working guy at Bittordry during the season and then the last couple of months. But he, he's done a great job, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, Stokes is just a, a brilliant physio and a great guy as well. Um, but I think he's... Uh, I'd love to say he's enjoyed kind of a planning it out and making making sure it's it's properly right, um, but I think he'll be a bit stressed as well. Um, but I think anything that that Adam does, he, he does obviously to the best of his ability. And nine times out of ten, that's probably ten times out of ten. Actually, I'll say um, that's a great job. Just just go back to the actual training. Is it once you're actually out there running about in that? Does it is it that different or not really to what you would do in preseason? It kind of doesn't feel different, you know. Like we're obviously still social distancing, mm-hmm. um, but once you kind of at first, you know, the first session, the warm ups, it felt as if you were kind of socially distanced, and it felt a bit different. But as you kind of got on with the session, like the session today, it was kind of a bit of a, like a running track, so you're running out of cones and. As I said, the whole time you were still socially distanced, but you kind of still felt as if it was just a normal pre-season drill, really. Yeah. Um, and that's what I mean. You kind of you're in the 
the heat at the moment kind of get you're just kind of focused on the drill so you're just getting on with it really what are you looking forward to pre-season this year after so long out and I also, Scott, I mean, to be fair, I think you, you're, you're obviously one of the younger ones and also you're, you're very good at running, so maybe you maybe enjoy pre-season a little bit more than some of them, do you? Yeah, I was, to be fair, I was absolutely gutted that, you know, the way things had worked out with my knee and, um, I mean, me and Stokes have both worked so hard to try and get back for the end of the season. I know that the kind of plan at first was to to say that, that that's my season over, um, but me and, me and Adam both, I would say strongly in yourselves that I would have had a really good chance of coming back um, if we if we both applied ourselves right. Um, man, managed to get fit and uh, got two two training sessions in. Was going to be playing the uh, obviously the first team had the game on the Friday against Motherwell. I was going to be playing in the under twenty game on I think it was either the Tuesday or the Wednesday because the international break. And then I would have been classed as you know fully returned fit. Um, <laughs> trained on the Wednesday and Thursday before the, the Friday game obviously wasn't fit enough for the squad and then got the text saying the boys got sent home from the hotel because of, of Covid um, and then I hadn't been back in at the training ground since so it was a bit of a crazy turnaround and, you know, it was a bit frustrating for me personally because I'd worked so hard to you know, get that date in my head of in my mind, it was it was going to be the Hearts on the Friday night after the the international break, um, and I felt good. I felt really strong. I felt brilliant. Um, but these things happen, you know. There's no point dwelling on it. And I kind of just need to get on with it now and just apply myself for the preseason and and see where that takes me. Well, that that that's, must be so hard, Scott. Let's go back. I mean, look back to the start of last season because you you started the campaign so well, didn't you? He scored a fantastic goal in Europe, put some good performances, and I think everything was just going along well, wasn't it? What, how actually did you pick up the injury? Angle? Was it just at training one day? It was just at training. Um, we'd actually, it was just, we'd had the international break, and it was the first session back on the Monday. We were training at the barracks, and I mean, we are just doing small-sided games. And maybe 10 minutes before, one of the young lads had like tackled, and they'd got hit from another player, and he really hurt his knee. Um, and we actually obviously all thought it was really bad because he kind of got stuck and then kind of had a force coming in at the side. So that kind of that took a while. And then, you know, we we, kept, we carried on about 10 minutes later. The ball was just rolling towards me. I had my back to go. Um, and I just tried to turn and kind of go over my shoulder there. And just my knee, honestly, I, it's mad because I still don't really know to this day what happened. But I think my foot just kind of got stuck in the ground. My body turned obviously around this way. And... My knee just went the other way. And I just remember hearing like a... It actually felt as if it had gone slow motion. And I felt like a, a crack. And I heard a crack as I twisted. Uh-huh. And I remember just falling back. And just obviously hitting the ground. And just... That was that was really sore. And I don't even know what it was. But part like The smallest part of my head I thought... Surely that's not my ACL. Um, and then like Stokes obviously had just seen it thankfully... Because um, he just put young Jack on the bus. Uh-huh. Um, he ran over to me. How are you feeling? You okay? You this? We done the tests. Fine. Um, can I just explain what I felt? Got up, walked off the pitch, um, walked onto the bus. Stokes says just leave the rest of the session. Walked onto the bus, um, and Jack was like, "You all right?" And I says, "Yeah, I twisted my knee." Well, I think I'll be okay. 
Um, so we'd gone back to Pataudry and Jack was still in a really bad way. Um, so I, I had Jack and me and somebody else, I think it was, helped him, helped him into Pataudry because um, he couldn't really put much weight on his leg or his knee. So we helped him in, in the treatment room and then I kind of just jumped on a bed in the treatment room as well and Tony was there at the time and Adam had phoned him, you know, kind of, all right, this is what's happened to Scott. Uh, and Tony was obviously doing all the tests. Then Adam was in as well, doing the tests as well. And yeah, we thought, right, okay, we've maybe got away with one here. We've maybe just tweaked the cartilage kind of on the outside of my, my knee. Because my knee hadn't swollen up or anything as well, which was a bit interesting. Um, so we thought, right, we've maybe just done the cartilage, but we'll get a scan. So it was, I think it was the next day, jumped in for a scan. Um, and then Stokesy phoned me that night. Just saying, yeah, it's bad news. And also, like, there was a cart, like, you could kind of knit the cartilage, maybe be like four weeks, or if you, you, you've quite done the bad, it, it would maybe be about a couple months, which would be mm. about three months. So I, I prepared myself for it, oh, yeah, it's bad. Um, and he just says, yeah, you've done your ACL. And I was like, what? <laughs> Couldn't believe it. Um, so then I went and seen him the next day, and then we kind of just had to, had to go from there. Like, Scott, give us a wee bit of insight, because obviously we hear about players who are out for a long time, because it, it's, it's tough, it's very tough. Um, I mean, the mental side, isn't it? I mean, that's a hard bit. Yeah. Because uh, you, you know how long you, you've got to be, and obviously you sit down and plan out a programme. But that, how do you actually start building it up again? I mean, do you, do you, is there a period you, you don't do anything, um, or are you pretty much straight back into it? Well, then, once I got that call, I kind of just thought, right, well, that's... Like, that's me a wee bit. Like, that's nine to 12 months at least. Um, like, what what happened? Like, just nothing. It was just a nothing incident. And at first I was frustrated. Then I was, you know, gutted. Um, and then angry. And, you know, you kind of get these kind of all rush of emotions in the space of, like, say, half an hour. Mm. I don't know. Like, kind of part of me would be like, right, I'd feel a bit better if I was on in a match and... You know, I'd maybe took somebody on down the line and I'd got a clatter. Mm-hmm. That would maybe explain it. But just twisting absolutely nothing with, say, 10 minutes to go in the session, I think that's what made it a bit harder for me to take. Um, so obviously I was a bit upset that night. Um, and then kind of the next day, just went in and seen Adam and we kind of spoke about, spoke about my options. Um, and... You know, there's so many different procedures now we could go go through for an ACL reconstruction. Um, and Stokes had obviously got through my, my results, so we spoke about that. And if it was a complete tear, if it was a small tear, but somehow it, it completely torn. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just floating really. But the thing I didn't get was I had no pain in my knee. Like I, I could walk, I could, I feel like I could have jogged. I would just occasionally, it would kind of just give way under me. Uh-huh. Um, so on the that was the I think it was the Tuesday or the Wednesday so I spoke to Stokesy but from the night I got the call I was obviously gutted but then the next day I actually kind of had a bit of peace of mind and thought right it's kind of that's it done mm-hmm. um, and I was so happy and relieved it sounds it sounds stupid saying this out loud I've even said this to Stokesy I was so happy and relieved that I had that I'd done it at Aberdeen uh-huh. because I'd seen firsthand how Mark had done his and mm-hmm. how Adam had helped him as well. And pretty much 
you know, I thought, right, I can be gutted tonight, tomorrow we go back to work and my work obviously wouldn't have been training for games on a Saturday. My work's trying to get fit for however long. Um, and I knew, obviously, Mark had done his so quickly, his recovery. And I knew, I said to Stokesy from the start, I know that's an unrealistic goal. But I always want to compare myself. I don't want to constantly be comparing myself to it, but I want that because in my head I knew that was a, a kind of freak of nature one, you know, how quick he got back. But I want to try and catch that as much as I can. I know I'm probably not going to catch it, but it's going to give me the motivation to try and to try and catch it, really, to try and get back as quick as possible. So I think we had to wait about a week, two weeks maybe, three weeks tops to go and see the surgeon, Gordon Mackay. Um, and obviously Stokes had said, you know, there's I've worked with him before, you've seen first-hand Mark, and it, it balls in your court with who you want to, to go with. But I trusted Adam from the start, and I just says, whatever you think will be best for me here, you kind of, you take the reins. Um, I'm happy to go and see Gordon. And we went down, met him, spoke with him. Um, luckily, we, we managed to get in quite soon and we got the operation. And then it was kind of, that's when the, the real hard work started. So. Yeah, it is an awful lot of hard work, Scott, isn't it? Because, I mean, you're in there, you're the first one in in the morning, aren't you? You're yeah. the last one to leave at night. I mean, who, who how, because it it's very lonely as well. You've obviously mentioned Adam. Was there any of the other boys that helped you through it? Uh, Mikey Devlin was brilliant for me um, in more ways than one because I knew Mikey had done it a couple of times and Adam actually said you know you should watch how Mikey kind of um, you know goes prepares for training and how he takes care of himself after training and you know Mikey was always in the gym kind of doing stuff for his knee to make sure it wouldn't happen again and that's something that I actually watched without, without really saying to Mikey that how he kind of approached it and how he dealt with it and you know there was a time where the game game ready broke kind of at first first couple of weeks after the operation my knee was quite swollen and it's the sake of just getting on the game ready and ice 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 the the game ready had broken and we only had one at the time because one was sent away getting fixed or something um and mikey you know thankfully said oh you can just borrow mine keep it for as long as you need and then just give it back to me whenever you need and it's just small things like that 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 really help do you know what I mean so how anyway that's past now you've done all the hard work how are you feeling now are you I mean obviously not 100% fit but but you're pretty much the same level as the other boys yeah definitely Um, that's what I mean I managed to obviously get two full sessions in before before Covid kind of the whole situation blew up um so yeah, I've been doing running throughout the whole time, and yeah, I feel really good. Yeah, and and Scott, having been through the you know the real frustrations is used to doing all this work and then not having any games, uh, and then having the lockdown. Is it is it fair to say you're, you're raring to go? Is that? I think I'm probably past that. I'm, I'm <laughs> go now. Yeah, um, I'm absolutely buzzing to get started, and you know I was really looking forward to getting back in and and amongst it and. I kind of felt as if I was still injured almost going, you know, going back because mm-hmm. I'd only done two sessions really, so I'd still felt as if I was going to be going back and doing work with Adam. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing to be back in amongst training and not needing to go and see Adam every morning and finding out what gym I'm doing or what running I'm doing. It's, it's great to be back amongst the boys and, and be out kicking a ball. 
Scott, we spoke before about confidence, you know, as a winger, it's such a big thing. But when you have a, lot, a long-term injury like that, does your confidence take a knock? Um, uh, I would probably say yeah, but in my situation, it was that first night that I got the phone call. That's the only time I actually would say, hand on heart, that I'd felt down and disappointed about the injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think personally, from from my perspective, that's, that's down to Adam. I just... I knew how 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 good he was really, mm. um, and I just thought, right, I need to just use this as a stepping stone. I'm going to come out stronger for this, and I'm in the best hands possible. Yeah, but Scott also says a lot about you as well. Just you know, the, the importance of being a positive, isn't it, as a football player? And it's not always easy to do. When you you know you get knocks, you get criticised, but just you know you need to try just always keep a positive spirit. It's so important, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And the most important thing about football is. Thankfully, there's, you know, the game. The next game's not far away, mm-hmm. uh, so you've just got to try and right your wrongs in that. If you if you had say you had a bad game last one, but in in my perspective, from when I was injured there, that you know the, the physio department made it made it a happy place and made it a good place for me to come in, and they kept me motivated every single day to just to try and get better, really, because at first it is quite slow and you you start to get a bit frustrated, thinking right, I want to kind of get on to the next stage and move on and you know everybody did their, their best to try and keep me involved you know with Kirky and the gaffer and that and the boys as well so you know I'm really thankful for that and it's got I think one of the frustration things must be you watching the games I know you did a bit of red tv commentary as well but you know there was times where we lacked that creative spark didn't we up front and yeah. you know you know what you can bring to the team don't you when yeah. you're on song that was the most frustrating thing sometimes you're watching games just thinking how could I affect it um, but as I said before, you kind of, you just, I think you need to have that peace of mind when when you've got a long term injury and you know you're going to be out for a while that you know you can't affect it. Mm-hmm. You know, on the pitch, you've just got to try and do your best off it, whether that's going in before or after games to wish the boys good luck or you know say congratulations after the game and just try and keep your face about the place really and and just try and keep the other boys motivated. It's a big season coming up for you, Scott. I mean, I'm sure it's one you're looking forward to as well. I mean, have you set yourself any aims? Just to try and break into the team, really, and, and really establish myself. And, and yeah, just establish myself on the team, really, and, and hopefully be one of the first names on the on the team sheet for the manager. Because I think that's the thing, Scott. You just, it's just having an extended run in the team, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that, that is what do it. Um, I think as a team, though, that I think hopes are high, though, are they? Um you know, you look around, it's a strong squad we've got. You know, if we have a bit of luck on the injury front, I think everybody feels it's, you know, it could be a good season for us. Yeah, everybody's confident and, you know, normally everybody's buzzing to be back in in the kind of short close season, as I said before, when it's kind of a three, four weeks. But when you've had this long off, everybody's absolutely ecstatic to get back and, and to work hard. So, you know, we, we obviously need to kind of keep to the social distancing at the minute through training. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we go into the next phase and we start to slowly merge together as a, as a bigger team, then we can really start to work on things together as a team. But, you know, everybody's just working hard at the minute and, and really excited to get going. We'll wait and see what happens with the fixtures when we ever, when we ever get them. Yeah. <laughs> but the, I mean, there's a fair chance that, that there will be a lot of midweek games initially. But I think, again, that is something as a squad we can cope with. And, and I mean, there's a good number of young boys, Scott, ready. I mean, you obviously yourself, Connor. Is he another year older? Young Ethan's coming through. Dean, Miko, some good young talent there, isn't there? Yeah, as you say, we've we've got a good squad for it, and 
at times like this, this is when you really need to use your squad. Um, as you say, if there's going to be a lot of midweek games, that's when you know kind of rotation becomes a lot more important. Um, and as you say, there's 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 a lot of young boys coming through. Obviously, Dean winning Young Player of the Year as well. And you know we've got Fergie. You think Fergie's so much older than he is. <laughs> um, and as you see, you've got Connor and Brucey up front and that as well. So there's there's plenty of boys coming through. Beautiful. All the best for the season. I must ask, how's uh, he still in touch with your mate, Graeme Shinney? I am, now and again, to be fair. Uh, I've not heard too much from him, but he he's obviously been going through lockdown. I think he's back with Derby now as well. So, uh, yeah, for bits and pieces, not too much, to be fair, from him, actually. Well, now he's palling about Wayne Rooney and that, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know there's, there's levels to it now, isn't there? <laughs> well, Scott, it's great to see you with a smile on your face. Great to see you back. And all of you, every, I mean, you're a very popular player at the club. Very popular, all the staff, so we really want to see you do well. So, all the, all the very best for the new season. Thank you very much, mate. Good speaking to you. We've all been making a huge effort to stay at home, so you might feel a bit anxious about going out more. Taking a number of slow, deep breaths can really help to clear your head. Remember, even though you're keeping apart from others, you can still say hello. Noticing nature wherever you are helps too. For more ways to feel calmer about going outside during the coronavirus outbreak, visit clearyourhead.scot. Well, on Sunday, we announced our winner of the Aberdeen FC Player of the Year and with 65.3% of the vote, Andrew Considine picked up the award. In second place was Funzo Ojo on 11.9% and third was Lewis Ferguson with 9.8% of the vote. Thanks to everyone who, who voted and congratulations to Andy. Just before I go, congratulations to the AFC woman who ran 274 kilometres in 24 hours to raise £6,000 for the Community Trust. The entire squad of 19 players plus two coaches and a former player took part in the 24-hour sponsored run to raise fans for the Trust and show their appreciation for the hard work that has gone into the still-standing free campaign during the coronavirus pandemic. The run, which began at midnight on Saturday, saw each player take it in turn to run for an hour until midnight on Sunday. Okay, we're expecting the Scottish Premiership fixtures this Friday or the following Monday. We'll have all the reaction and the full fixture list on our social media and on our website, invernessreds.co.uk. Our friends at the Don's Talk Forum will be launching their new website over the next few weeks. You can find their site at donstalk.co.uk and the guys at the Here We Go Aberdeen FC podcast released a new episode yesterday with guests John Sinclair and Simon Cato musing over what has happened in the SPFL in the last few months and much, much more. The final pre-season AFC Don's cast will be back on the 14th of July before we start a brand new season of the show on the 28th of July as we get ready to get things underway for the new season on the 1st of August. Till then, thanks for listening, stay safe and stand free. These are the nights where history is made and players stand up to be counted across the continent 
we unite. Striving together, from home turf to distant lands, igniting a passion and energy in us all. The energy builds, wave upon wave, with each tackle, in every shot, in the roar of the crowd, through the highs and the lows, pushing us further, driving us on to European glory. The UEFA Europa League.